to Dayarnay. Dayarnay going for a skate around the net. Still, Clefbaum scores! A Clefbaum ties the game! Done so. Anyway, four against four with 18.54 to go in the third, and off this time, it is now Pasternak, and Krugish, and he scores! to another edition of Bruins Beat. Jimmy Murphy, your host here on CLNS Media. And, hey, you know, uh, even going back to the trade deadline and now again as the NHL draft is approaching, the offseason is officially underway, uh, there's been a lot of smoke between the Edmonton Oilers and Boston Bruins possibly talking about a deal. Who would have thought, you know, given the uh, the history between Chiarelli and Cam Neely there, that that could happen. But it looks like maybe they're willing to move past that. And uh, with all that smoke, I thought I'd bring in a good friend from Sportsnet in Edmonton. He covers the Oilers for a long time now. Mark Spector joining me here. Speck, uh, we'll get into that in a second, but I just want to get your take on what I thought. I know there was only five games. I know there was no overtimes, but I still thought it was a great series between the Vegas Golden Knights, Washington Capitals. There's some great hockey on display, great storylines, and, of course, the biggest one being Ovechkin finally getting that monkey off his back and winning the Cup. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, for me, Murph, a uh, couple things. I mean, I know the people in Washington have had a team since 1974. They're, they're ready to win. They deserve a cup. There's been a lot of long, long-suffering fans there. That team could never get over the Penguins, right? They had, a, they had a really good team for a long time. And I think that it's fair to say that, you know, that, that sort of program, they're cup-worthy. Like, Washington's been good for a long time. It kind of reminds me of San Jose a few years ago, you know. They were good every year. They never won a cup. And they – Big picture, I think the Caps, I'm glad to see the Caps get a Stanley Cup for the product that they've been putting on the ice for this um, for this length of time. So, and then there's Ovechkin, right? He's a Hall of Fame guy. He's a great player, the generational sniper. I'm happy to see him win. So, all in all, uh, I think that, you know, the hockey gods kind of smiled on the team that's been, you know, slugging it out for 40 years as opposed to the one that just showed up yesterday. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But just your take on that, and I understand where people are coming from and everything, but do you, are you on the side that thinks Vegas going on this run is bad for hockey, or do you think it's good? Oh, I'm fine with it. I think that, you know, it was a surprise for hockey. I think it taught us that hockey's a bigger team game even than we thought. You know, as, as we watched the NBA yeah. Finals come to a close, uh, LeBron breaks his own hand on the whiteboard, you might as well call the series off, yep. right? Because he's their best guy. <laughs> in basketball, if your best guy gets hurt, you'll lose 100 times out of 100 in the series. Whereas right. in hockey, you know, Backstrom was out for a while and, and Washington survived. We've seen teams survive without their best guys. I remember a game seven where Crosby got injured. I think it might have been 2009. They still won. He got injured early in game seven yep. against Detroit. They still they still won that game on the road to win the series. So, so you know, I think that Vegas um, shows us that maybe having a bunch of second, third lines and not a fourth line uh, is more valuable even than we thought in hockey, right? Yep. And of course, they had that goalie who was on the ice in that game you mentioned there back in two thousand nine, Mark Andre Fleury, and it was fun to see. Uh, I think resurrect his career is a little too strong a word, but to to find his groove again and and really 
enjoy the game again. And uh, I, I thought that was great for for him and just watching it as a fan too. But let's get into this Edmonton stuff. Look, uh, spec back at the trade deadline, leading into the trade deadline back in February, I had a, uh, a source that I trust pretty much come up to me and he said, he said, look, Murph, it's, it's very, very, very unlikely it happens now, but the Oilers and Bruins were tossing around trade ideas for the deadline. And apparently cleft bomb for Krug came up and it was just exploratory. They were just back and forth throwing things out there. And he said, but it's something to keep an eye on, you know, when the draft rolls around or, you know, in the off season and, Sure enough, I mean, we're not even through the Stanley Cup final yet, and all of a sudden, the internet is a, is a buzz with with that very rumor, and even more so now, people are saying maybe a, a return of Milan Lucic to Boston, and I think people in Boston here are like, no, 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 not at that money either. Uh, just just your take on on all the sort of the smoke that's uh, coming out of these two cities right now. Well, certainly, the smoke coming out of Edmonton is there because it's a team that vastly underachieved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you have a what you thought was a pretty good team, when you have a 103-point team one year that doesn't make playoffs next year, there's going to be smoke. I think Boston's seen that same scenario over its years. So we expected smoke from here. Uh, let's talk about the defenseman. You know, that's a trade that fits a little bit because Edmonton needs a guy that can run a power play. Crew can run a power play. Oh, yeah. Uh, Clefbaum's a good player. You know, he's a nice uh, – he can play on the power play. Uh, he can shoot the puck pretty well. He's not what I would call a quarterback. He's got five years left at less than 4.2. So he's 24 years old, Swedish defenseman. He's a nice player. I like, and he signed at an awesome good number. So, mm-hmm. you know, we can talk on that trade. If we, you and me are talking Krug for Clefbaum, Clef, uh, Krug's a little older, a little less term left. I'm suspecting that Chiarelli might ask for a little sweetener from Boston on this one, but I don't mind that that uh, trade one bit if I'm certainly either team. Uh, Tory Krug, they want a right shot defenseman here. He shoots left, but he's a guy that they need. So I can live with that. The Milan Lucic thing, um, I can see the Oilers trying to get out from under what's turned out to be not a very good free agent contract. And the way the league's going, right, there's still five years left at $6 million with oh. Lucic. He's 30, 30 years old. And he's big, and the league's getting small. Uh, I can see Edmonton trying to move that contract. I can't. The only way someone else takes it is in one of those Carlson uh, or Clarkson situations, David mm-hmm. Clarkson, where a team just eats the cap space and gets a draft pick. I don't see Chiarelli just giving them away with a sweetener and, and watching them walk and saying, oh, well, that was a bad deal. I just don't see that yet. Yeah, I'm with you. Getting back to the, the Krug and Clefbaum, too, another reason you look at it, too, I mean – some people say, well, why would Edmonton do that? He's cheaper and younger, and as you pointed out there, but they do have that need there. The Bruins, I think, also are looking at it saying, we have so many young defensemen, one of them already arrived in Charlie McAvoy, uh, coming up or even on the roster already, pushing um, for ice time there, and they're going to be up. I mean, a lot of these, they've got a ton of entry-level contracts that are uh, that are due next summer, not this summer coming now, but next summer. And I, I think, you know, Don Sweeney's looking ahead and saying, well, if I can, even if it's just a, a million or so difference, if I can free that up, uh, it's going to help me next year. And I also still get a, a good left shot defenseman uh, that I do need right now. Because let's face it, uh, Charles Minutes, even though he had a great bounce back season, Charles Minutes got to go down even more this year. 
and they're going to need some guys to step in there on the left side. So, you know, I, I, I think I think it's a, a deal that fits. But as far as Lucic goes, I just want to know what exactly – I mean, you mentioned the size, the speed of the game right now. But it seemed as if he was kind of hanging with that in that in that first year of the deal. What happened last year? It's an excellent question. You know, to me, first of all, he was – he was way, way up. I don't have the stat in front of me. He was among Oilers forwards. I think he led the team in hits. So I know that's not a big deal anymore, but the point I'm making is this slow guys don't get in on hits, right? Especially mm-hmm. forwards trying to get in, you know, you, you toss the puck behind defensemen and you have to go in and belt them and try to get it back. You still have to have foot speed to get there and make the hit. I'm not saying Milan Lucic is a real fast player. He's not. But I think it's a red herring that he completely can't skate and he's way too slow. I don't think that's his issue. I agree. What I, what I saw last year, I mean, he's still a huge guy. I don't need to tell people in Boston, how does he score his goals? Well, he's got a nice wrist shot. He'll score a couple from distance. But generally speaking, Milan goes hard to the net. The defenseman can't hold him up because he's too big and strong. Mm-hmm. Someone, a centerman like Bergeron or McDavid, rifles a hard pass off his stick from about three feet out, right? Yep. And Lucic bangs it in inside the far post. I mean, he should score 20 goals a year that way. Yeah. And what I saw last year was a guy who had, a ch- who had you know, he had last season 10 goals. Uh-huh. He, had, he could have scored 20 more in the play I just described. Just uh, going hard to the net with your stick in the ice, the pass is there. All you got to do is direct it at the goal. You tell me he scored one goal in his last 48 games. He scored 10 all year. That puck hit his stick, Murph, and ended up in the corner all season long. Yeah. Not of the net, the corner of the rink. So has he lost his hands? Does he, uh, is there something going on with his hand eye? All Mm -hmm. that stuff. And confidence too. And his confidence has got to be shot for sure. It's shot for sure because you just spent the whole season when your signature goal doesn't go in anymore. Yeah. So that's an issue. I want to say this. We looked for the last two seasons down to L.A. at Dustin Brown and thought, he's finished. They're going to have to buy him out. He found a way to become a very good player again last year. Yeah. So Lucic had 50 points the season before. I'll take a 50-point player. Uh, last year he had 34 points, not nearly enough. So let's give him a year and let's see what he does. I don't see Chiarelli throwing in a second-round pick and just giving them away and giving up on the project. So, I mean, the way I read this is I think somebody, you know, whether it's on a Lucic camp or the, or the Oilers camp or both, you know, kind of just floated this out there just to kind of – I think it was just exploratory. They were just fishing to see, hey, what, what might pop up. And I agree with you. I, I don't think anyone anything's going to pop up that someone's going to just take that. And also, like you said, I don't see Chiarelli – uh, willing to really sweeten the pot to convince them to do it. So it's going to be interesting. Speaking of Chiarelli, and of course, uh, we know him well here in Boston. He did not go out on the best terms, both with the team and the fans. The fans just look at him and say, you saddled us with so many contracts and you, you buried us. And of course, I take the point of view, spec, maybe it's just because of how old I am. I'm 43. I grew up in Boston. I had never seen a Bruins Stanley Cup in my lifetime until 2011. And, you know, when I was growing up, I, I would gladly take on some bad contracts just to see the cup race. So 
I kind of look at it and say, man, I guess maybe Boston's just become such a spoiled sports town with all the championships with the Patriots and the Red Sox. And, and you know, the Celtics have been good as well, too. I, I, I just right. think that's what the case is here. But what are people looking at Chiarelli like in Edmonton right now? Are they, you know, obviously Lucic is a big contract there. Are they starting to sort of view him the same way that maybe he gives a little too much term and money? Well, that's a good question. Chiarelli came into a, a, a situation in Edmonton where they'd missed the playoffs for, at his point, nine seasons in a row. They missed it his first year here. He took over an absolute train wreck of an organization, right? Mm-hmm. The orders were a mess. Farm system, bad. Drafting, bad. Prospects, non-existent. That's what you think they draft first overall every second year, right? Yeah. So the mandate, which yeah. is always dangerous, the mandate is get – uh, get good and do it fast. Well, we know how that works. We've watched lots of guys try to get good fast. So you go into free agency and you sign a couple guys, right? What happens in free agency? You, you give out too much money and you give out too much term. It's not just Chiarelli. It's every guy in the league. Yeah. So anytime I see it, sure, you can augment free agency. You can get one good free agent and really help your team. I'm not saying you can't. But when you have a, a bad team and the first step is July 1st free agency. You sign the best defenseman on the market at the time was a guy named Andre Sekra. Nice defenseman. Overpaid him, overturned him. Then you're looking for a winger. You sign the top left winger on the market the next year. It's Milan Lucic. Well, guess what? You overpay him and you overturn him. <laughs> so the problem isn't that Chiarelli was, you know, spending too much money and too much term. The problem is he's, he's in a position where he's shopping free agents. And they're in a hurry in Edmonton. And being in a hurry, you know, I'll, I'll give you the Winnipeg Jets that were never in a hurry. They look like a team that's going to be really good for a really long time. Yep, I'm with you. And I, I think that's a great point there. And that was sort of the case here that I think, you know, Boston fans missed here was when they won it in 2011 and then, you know, came very very close again in 2013, they're all of a sudden a contender and they want to they wanna remain that way right, and they want to always be contending and win and win and win again, that there was a lot of pressure from above for Chiarelli to do what he did. It wasn't – I'm not saying he had a gun to his head, and they said you got to sign this guy to X amount of dollars and X amount of years. But, right. you know, at the same time, he's like looking, he's like, look, and I, I know these discussions went on for a fact. In fact, they're, they're documented on a Nesson behind-the-scenes video. It's, it's just like – he's like, look, we got, we got to we got to think of the future too – and how can I do that if I'm just throwing out these contracts? But at the same time, I'm sure he got a taste of the winning and he wanted to keep winning. So it's a fine line that every GM has to walk. But I look at Edmonton right now, and maybe I'm wrong. Spec, I'm far away. I'm not there every day. But it doesn't seem to me as bad as a lot of people are painting it. I mean, I, I feel like, you know what? These A lot of these young kids got a taste of the playoffs two years ago. They started to taste what it's like to really compete, and then they had a fallback. And that happens a lot with teams like that that haven't been in the playoffs a while. Is it as bad as it seems to some, or am I reading into this the right way? Yeah, no, I, I'm more on your side. I think in today's you know world where there's the, just the Internet and the, and the sheer – number of voices out there oh, uh, the dissenting the dissenting voice that that 
tends to carry the day, right? I don't know why, mm-hmm. not just in Edmonton, seemingly in every city, you know? The, the, the Red Sox, the negative Red Sox fan is somehow always louder than the positive Red Sox fan. Yep. How is that? I don't know. Uh, so, yes, I'm with you on this, Murph. There's a team that had 103 points. They fell off the table. They had several key contributors, including the goalie, who had years that were far below their career average years. Milan yep. Lucic is another. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl wasn't very good in the first half when they needed him to be. They had a bunch of guys who had certainly had, you know, kind of young players with career years the year before that did the expected drop-off. We get that. Young players who have a career year are never that good the season after, right? We watch it in every city. Mm-hmm. So this is now two years down the road. I expect that all those players will even out to an extent. I know for sure that there's nobody in this town that's going to look at the season and go, well, we'll make the playoffs. This should be easy. <laughs> because yeah. I think there was a little of that last year. That look how good we are. We got Connor McDavid. We got Leon Dreisaitl. Our goal at uh-huh. Cam Talbot was, was fourth in Vesna voting. Uh, this, we're going to just go through the regular season and start playing in April. Yeah, you will see. Whether they make the playoffs or not, I don't know, Murph. But what you will see in Edmonton is a bunch of guys that got burnt, that had a lousy year last year, that didn't have any fun playing hockey. And they will be a very, very uh, determined group that won't come out of the gate wasting any points, man. This group here, they will be exceptionally hungry. I don't know how good they are. I'm not saying they're going to win a cup. But I think if you get the most out of the roster they have, depending on what they do here around the draft, I think you have a team that should be able to make the playoffs. Want to remind our listeners before we go on here, remember, after you're done listening to this episode, sponsored by Casper, check out Casper, the podcast sponsored by Casper. It's an entire podcast about Casper, sponsored by Casper, available now on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. But remember, check out Casper, the podcast sponsored by Casper. I got to say what I thought was one of the most ironic things about last year when you sort of, you just mentioned that perfect storm of all these players kind of falling off at the same time and having down years. The one guy that had a great year in the midst of all that was Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I thought he really improved. I mean, he was up and it it wasn't perfect, but I I thought he was better last year. Um, And this is a guy you know, that we've heard constantly in trade rumors, right? Spec, a guy that we've always heard, they want to unload that contract and they load it up. When, when Drysdale signed, it was like this, this given to many people that they were going to move uh, Nugent Hopkins. Has that died down now, or you think we're going to hear that again as this draft approaches? Yeah, no, I don't think it will, and here's why. There are two reasons. The Oilers have divested themselves of Taylor Hall and Jordan Eberle, uh, two wingers who, you know, are productive. Uh-huh. And now they look at their wings and Lucic's numbers go down and they look at their wings and they say, oh boy, we don't have enough production from our wings. So they, they're they not in the market. Of, they don't have enough skilled wingers to get rid of anymore. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who we've always talked about as a center, has found his way up to McDavid's left wing for the last 25 games last year and looked very, very comfortable there. Uh, I think, you know, we all... You know, when, when I mean, let's, I, I hate to use the word great. I don't overuse it, but I think we're going to call McDavid a, a player. If he's not great yet, he's going to be a great player. I don't think there's a word that describes how great he is, really, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> I mean, he's an unbelievably fabulous player. I, oh. I, I'm, I, I'm lucky to watch him play every night. But what I want to say is this. When that player comes along, much like Sid Crosby, it takes a while to figure out who plays with this guy. You yeah. know, if Jenny Malkin never, in the end, 
hasn't taken a ton of regular season five-on-five shifts with Sid Crosby, right? It just never turned out that way. Right. And 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 McDavid now is a four, you know, coming into his fourth year here. They've kind of found, you know, first you thought you wanted Milan Lucic, a big guy to go to the net. Not bad. Pat Maroon was okay. Now you think maybe you need a pure shooter. Well, I'm not sure. I think what they found here is a guy like Nugent Hopkins who does all the things. He can shoot the puck. He can make plays. He can pass to McDavid. He can carry it up the ice if you have to. You know, yeah. he, I'm not, he's not McDavid, okay? I'm not saying he is. He's kind of McDavid light. He does all the stuff well. So he can adapt to playing with McDavid. And, and I think in the end, rather than having a, you know, a sort of a trotchy bossy or a, or a, you know, a Bergeron Lucic, I think you're going to have two guys that, that take turns scoring goals, that take turns setting up plays. And I think Ryan Nugent Hopkins has a spot long-term here because I think he's the best guy to play with 97. Yeah, it's interesting how, how things – and that, there's a perfect example, right? We were just saying it earlier, how things can change on a dime. You can, you, you can never take anything for granted. And, and good on him for finding his game again and doing whatever he needed to do to get there. So I think that's great. Well, listen, Speck, uh, I appreciate you joining me on time. And I know, by the way, a winger that I, I'm sure the Edmonton Oilers would like to pluck from uh, the Boston Bruins – is uh, hometown boy Jake DeBrus there, and uh, you guys are doing a tournament with him, right? Yeah, they run a, we run a tournament out here for a charity that I'm very fond of, uh, Murph. We, we, our business is we, we uh, put underprivileged kids into free sports equipment or onto a bike, and we help about 8,500 kids a year. And we run a golf tournament every summer called the Mark Spector Golf Classic. And uh, Louis, of course, is a, my colleague at Sportsnet, Louis DeBrusque. I've known him for many, many years, and his fine young son, Jake, texted me just the other day and said, I'm coming out to play. I can't wait to play in the tournament, raise some money for, uh, you know, some needy families here at Edmonton. And uh, I think we might just put Louie and Jake on the same team and uh, see if we can auction them off for a couple of dollars, eh? There you go, man. That's going to be great. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> hey, uh, you know, I don't know how much you, you've dealt with them, Spec, but – what a, Louis did a great job with him. He, he really raised, and I'm not talking about just the play, the person. I mean, the kid is a genuine good person. I love talking to him. He, you know, he's great to just kind of shoot the breeze with off the mic and, and talk about yeah. hockey, talk about life. He, he's got his, he's got his head on right. And I, I, I really, you know, I, I think the Bruins found a winner, not only in the game, but in life as well. So, uh, you'll enjoy, uh, having him at that tournament. Will for sure, Lou. <laughs> Will for sure, Murph. Looking forward to it. Man. All right. Well, listen, my friend. You, uh, you have. A, if I don't talk to you, uh, I might see you down the draft. But if I don't, you enjoy your summer. Hope you get some downtime to uh, relax and do whatever it is that uh, makes you happy, my friend. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you down the line. All right. And if the Bruins and Oilers do make that deal, uh, you got my number, Murph. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm, we'll see. Maybe that smoke will All become right. fire. Have a good one. That is Specter joining me here on the Bruins beat on CLNS Media. We'll talk to you next week. Bergeron to Chara, the one-timer, save, rebound, which it scores! 122 to go! Under the shade of a Georgia pine, and that's home, you know. Sweet tea, pecan pine, homemade wine, where the peaches grow. In my house, it's not much to talk about. But it's filled with love, just grown in southern ground. And a little bit of chicken fried. Cold beer on a Friday night. A pair of jeans that fit just right. And the radio, oh, 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 oh,
Cause you're my precious child And no mother's love